This is a Federal News Network podcast. A perennial effort to improve workplace conditions at the Transportation Security Administration's employees took a major step forward last week. It came on Thursday when the House passed the Rights for the TSA Workforce Act of 2022. We get the details from Federal News Network's Justin Doubleday. And let's start at the beginning, Justin. What would this act do for TSA folks, presuming it's primarily aimed at the TSOs, the officers? Yeah, that's right. They make up the bulk of the TSA workforce. And this would bring, but this would bring all 60,000 TSA employees under the same personnel system as other federal employees. That's under Title V of U.S. Code. It would eliminate the special personnel authorities that have governed workplace conditions for TSA since the agency's inception about two decades ago. And so Title V that includes full collective bargaining rights, access to an independent third party for dispute resolutions, and importantly, the general schedule pay system. Democrats who push the bill say it's the right thing to do to reduce attrition, boost morale, professionalize the TSA workforce. Homeland Security Committee Chairman Benny Thompson was one of the leading sponsors of the bill. Here he is on the House floor last week. You can't spend thanks. If I told a TSO, thank you for your service, almost to the person, they'd say, then give me a raise. Treat me like all other federal employees. As our country emerged from what we hope is the worst of COVID-19 pandemic, we cannot forget about the TSOs, air marshals, and others within TSA who never pause their work in service of our national security. God love Benny Thompson. I think I would be convinced to vote for it, to hear him describe it. And what about Republican support for this bill? Well, most Republicans did not support the bill. It passed 220 to 201 with just four Republicans joining Democrats in voting for it. And Republicans uh, support frontline employees at TSA, you know, the TSOs and the air marshals getting a pay raise. But what they don't support is bringing them under Title V, giving them full collective bargaining. Homeland Security Committee Ranking Member John Katko from New York declined to support the bill. That's a little unusual considering him and Thompson are usually in lockstep on most things. He says he supports increasing pay and benefits for frontline TSOs, but not for the rest of the TSA workforce. I am so sick and tired of these frontline workers not getting their proper pay that I was willing to move Title V funding for them. This bill goes far beyond that bureaucrats that are sitting in offices nowhere near the front lines that are not exposed to COVID on a daily basis that aren't fishing live loaded guns out of handbags and subject to all kinds of abuse are going to get title five status and they get paid a hell of a lot more why do we need that and that is a question that's a problem i have with this bill and they fish things a lot worse than loaded handguns out of baggage, too. And getting to that pay issue, Justin, we're speaking with Federal News Network's Justin Doubleday. What is the pay differential? What would happen to pay with respect to the TSA workers if this passes, becomes law? Right. The entire uh, TSO workforce, the frontline screeners you see at airports, they would see an average 30 percent pay increase if this bill was fully enacted and funded. And that's according to analysis that TSA produced earlier this year. The average annual salary for TSOs nationwide was about $45,000 in 2020, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. That gives you an idea of of where they are and where they could go. And then TSA's law enforcement workforce, that's uh, primarily federal air marshals, would see an average 21% pay increase as well. Uh, According to TSA's analysis, 75% of TSA employees 
are paid less than the minimum pay that they would receive if they were a federal employee with equivalent experience under the general schedule wage systems. That's three out of four TSA employees who are paid less than the general schedule would have them be paid today. So that's what this bill is all about, is, is getting them up to those same rates, along with some other things that we mentioned. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense in some ways because they look like they do, and they do do repetitive work, but it's also highly skilled work. And I think that gets, sometimes gets lost in the shuffle that they are really skilled people. And there's a whole, in my opinion, aspect of human relations that they have to deal with that is difficult and a lot of stress. And most federal employees never come near that kind of requirement. So the question then becomes, what about the Senate? Because that probably has less chance there than in the House. Yeah, the outlook there is murky. The The rights for the TSA Workforce Act was introduced in the Senate last year as well by Senators Brian Schatz, a Democrat from Hawaii, and, and Edward Markey, Democrat from Massachusetts. And it was referred to the Committee on Com- Commerce, Science, and Transportation, which has yet to take further action on the bill. It has sat there since last year. And they're dealing with some U.S.-China competitive issues right now. They have a pretty full slate, so it's unclear when they'll take up this bill, if at all, this session. Uh, Katko, he predicted that the House's bill would be dead on arrival in the Senate due to a lack of Republican support. As you know, it's harder to do things with uh, without the other party over in the Senate. So we'll see how this bill moves forward. But right now, it's, it's certainly murky. It seems like there might be room for compromise from the way you describe it and what we heard Katko say. Perhaps if the changes and the most radical updates in pay and so forth were to the transportation security officers, the TSOs that are are on the front line in the airports and to some degree other points of entry, but maybe not for the management staff or the, I don't like to use CATCO's terminology, but the people in the offices, there could be a compromise there, do you think? Well, that's what's interesting is that the Biden administration has proposed a budget that would bring this pay increase into, into reality. And CATCO and other Republicans have said that they would support that. What this bill, the TSA, the Rights for the TSA Workforce Act would do is codify TSA's workforce under Title V and under the general schedule wage system. So essentially giving the TSA administrator and the administration in charge much less control over the workforce and over things like pay. And that's where Republicans seem to have an issue. They want to keep those special personnel authorities in place, not necessarily grant full collective bargaining. But everyone seems to be in agreement on increasing pay for TSOs and air marshals and and frontline workers at TSA. And anything else we should know about this legislation? Yeah, it's also important to note that the bill had an amendment that would encourage the TSA administrator to work with organizations that represent federal air marshals to address mental health, suicide rates and morale and recruitment issues. TSA oversees the federal air marshal service. And the air marshals have been dealing with uh, high rates of of suicide, with morale issues for the last decade. Uh, Rep. Jennifer Wexton from Virginia said that air marshals are at high risk for extreme fatigue due to the long hours they spend on planes and irregular sleep schedules and also lead to reliance on medications and alcohol to fall asleep. So this bill would try to get the TSA to do more for federal air marshals to help them out with some of these issues they're facing. Yeah, here again, you know, I I don't take sides in these things, but when I hear about TSOs, and we've all encountered TSOs, and they mainly do a great job. And I always ask myself, would I want to do this for an hour, let alone, you know, eight hours at a time? And the air marshals, can you imagine a job where you spend 
your working life sitting on airliners these days looking for crazy people and there's no dearth of crazy people on airliners yeah it's it's been a tough couple of years it's, it's always been a tough job and it's been a tough couple of years during the pandemic one other thing the bill would do is provide a one-time three thousand dollar hazard duty bonus to frontline tsa employees who have been having to have contact with the public throughout the pandemic and deal with these these much more stressful situations yeah i'd be an air marshal if i could secure first class cabin to paris as part of my beat yeah it's all about your beat i think i mean going to paris versus you know i won't name names but they're less less uh, uh desirable uh destinations yes that latest 737 to huntsville or something from you know newark <laughs> <laughs> late at night federal news network's justin doubleday thanks so much thanks tom and be sure to check out his story at federalnewsnetwork.com Hello, I'm WIPA CEO Shane Canfield, and thank you for joining us on another episode of Lessons in Leadership. I'm honored to be joined by Angie Bailey, founder and CEO of Ananda Life. Angie has a remarkable career in public service, beginning as a GS2 clerk typist with the Social Security Administration. And over the next 40 years, Angie steadily worked her way up through the government, ultimately becoming the Chief Human Capital Officer at the Department of Homeland Security. She's been recognized with presidential rank awards by two administrations for leadership, innovation, dedication, and commitment to the country. Angie, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Shane. What a pleasure to be here. Angie, you've made quite a name for yourself as a leader in the federal workforce. Who was the first person you remember looking up to as a leader, and what about them inspired you? You I often think about this because, you know, sometimes we think of the people that we look up to the most is being somebody that throughout our career has, you know, been at the highest levels and all, but I, you know, I've got to go back to honestly, whenever I was 10 years old and uh, I remember I really wanted to play little league baseball on a boys team. I was the only girl. And interestingly, it was the women who would keep saying to me that, no, I couldn't play. And then one day, whenever I was there to sign up yet again, uh, there was this guy, his name was Delbert Beiser. And uh, I remember he had like red hair and he had a wad of tobacco in his mouth and greasy overhauls and everything. And he said, you know, I'll take her, I'll take her on my team. And, you know, just looking back on that, there's so many leadership lessons and things that I just really admire about him. And actually I thought about throughout my entire career, he took a chance on somebody he didn't know. He um, put aside whatever conscious or unconscious biases that he might have had about having a girl on a team. He treated me the same, uh, whether, you know, if I wasn't performing, I got benched just like the boys. I got no special treatment. And, and, and he was just really honest with me and he just included me in everything. And so looking back on it, you know, really, it was Delbert Beiser, our local mechanic in our little small village that was I think my inspiration for going on to, I hope, become the leader, um, you know, that, that I wanted to be. I'd say half of the guests on this podcast have had similar stories where they reach back to either childhood or young adulthood. And I, and I think as leaders, it's really incumbent upon us to keep that in mind, that, that what we say and do, especially in the younger ages, really can have a lifelong impact. How would you describe your leadership style and and how's that developed over time? I would say that the one word that describes my leadership style is that I care. Um, I guess that's more than one word, but I care. Uh, I've always cared about the mission. I've always cared about the people. I've always cared, you know, about making sure that 
that they had what they needed or that they were developing the way, uh, you know, that they aspired to develop. And I tried to take this approach of not treating people the way I wanted to be treated, but instead treat people the way they wanted they want to be treated. And I think that that really kind of developed over my career. You know, I started out just like most leaders do, where it's very results driven. It's all about the bottom line. You need to make sure that you get everything accomplished because, you know, that's what everybody's looking for, the goals, the metrics, et cetera. But I think as you mature and you go along, you start to, to your point, you draw back on those early childhood days or early adult young, you know, whenever you're a young adult and you say, you know, I think that there's a little bit more to this than just the bottom line. And so over time, I really began to, I, I think, see a much bigger picture and the entire ecosystem, if you will, and how the people themselves fit into all of this. And that ultimately, at the end of the day, it was all about the people. And so, I, you know, I think my, my maturity allowed me to then shift and focus more on the people than, than so much on results and bottom line. You've been recognized with two presidential rank awards two different administrations. You founded your own company. Tell us a little bit more about your background from the beginning and, and how did that lead you to where you are today? Well, you know, it's kind of interesting, like you said, that I started out as a GS2, a Social Security Administration. I mean, what I really wanted to be was a criminal prosecuting attorney. It's, that's That was absolutely my dream. I sometimes joke and say what I really wanted to be was a mafia don, but that wasn't going to work out. So, you know, had to be a criminal prosecuting attorney. But, you know, I had to get a job to pay for college. I, you know, it wasn't in the cards that I was going to be able to go to college without a job. So I applied at the Social Security Administration, or I'm sorry, at the unemployment office, and lo and behold, I got a job at Social Security. I didn't even know it was federal, to be honest. Uh, From there, I went to the Department of Defense, and I found this, this career field called labor and employee relations. And honestly, it was as close as I was going to get to being a criminal prosecuting attorney. I didn't go on to be a a criminal prosecuting attorney, but I went on courtesy of Department of Defense to get both my bachelor's and my master's in leadership because the whole study of leadership, I just find incredibly fascinating, Um, you know, from historical to current, current times. I just it's just something that's just really fascinated me. And so. I just, I would say I'm a lifelong learner of leadership. And then I would say some of the other things that got me maybe where I am today is I never really said no to anything. If people asked me to take on a new challenge, even if I wasn't sure I was going to be successful at it, I would say, you know what, not sure this is going to work out, but more than happy to give it a try. And it always worked out. But I think giving things a try and just not saying no to opportunities is what really led from one position to the next. I feel like I was always rewarded for just stepping in or stepping up and taking on the challenges that sometimes no one else wanted to do. Angie, thanks so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you, Shane. It's such a pleasure. I I really appreciate you giving me this opportunity. Thank you. This has been the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I'm CEO of WEPA, Shane Canfield. Looking forward to talking to you next time. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you're sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, 
Think twice before sending money through an app or online. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.